Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Connor McGowan-Smith. Connor is the CEO of Fireminds. He's based in Miami in Florida in the US. Welcome to the podcast, Connor. Great to be here, Jono. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I've been looking forward to, to chatting with you. First of all, before we jump into your story, tell us about Fireminds and what you do as CEO. Yeah, uh, Fireminds is an IT managed service company. We focus on cybersecurity, cloud, and SD-WAN, which is basically network services. Um, originally born in the Caribbean, but have expanded across um, the, the LATAM, the Latin America region, as well as the US, and uh, most recently, Alaska. Uh, we're part of a telecommunications group, and so we service telcos across the region, in addition to having our own international business um, focused on those three pillars that I mentioned. Yeah, brilliant. So um, let's jump into your story. Tell us about, uh, why don't we start with your childhood, growing up, little Connor. What are some of the moments from that season of your life as you look back that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? It's a great question. I think uh, if I look back, for me, sports, school, rugby, friends, family, I think they're all the things that uh, that shape you. I don't know if they shape you as a leader, but they definitely shape you throughout life. Um, and I would say I really didn't realize how much they shape you till I left Ireland. So I'm from Ireland, grew up in Ireland. Um, I left about 10 years ago. I lived in the in the Caribbean, mainly in, in Bermuda, and now living in Miami. I think it's only when you go somewhere different and you are different that you realize all of those kind of biases you had or all those things you learned as a kid do really shape you when you when you grow up. So that's kind of how I'd, I'd look at that. But um, had a great, great childhood, loved my, loved my family life, loved my schooling and just was crazy about sports, which is still really my primary passion, even though I'm very passionate about what I do professionally, obviously. And when it comes to sport, what, uh, what are your favorite sports? What did you grow up loving? What, what are your, um, what are you most passionate about these days? Yeah, for my sins, huge Manchester United fan. Absolutely obsessed at Manchester United and 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 crazy into rugby. Um, oh. It's funny. I'm actually also I'm actually also involved in a, a company called Galoris. Um, it's a newer it's kind of a startup consulting coaching organization, and we've um, a lot of the initial work we've done is actually with sports people. Um, so I take sports and kind of apply them to my professional life. Um, in fire mines, it's something that inspires me. But mm. yeah, I think to answer your question, yeah, soccer and rugby, big passions of mine. Yeah, I'm a Manchester United fan as well. Uh, so wonderful to meet another United fan. It's been a bit of a tough, uh, <laughs> tough uh, last few years. But um, my my wife Liz and I, we have an eight week old little boy, and one of the first things I did uh, was I bought a Manchester United little outfit for him. 
um, <laughs> for when he's six months old, like little shorts and the jersey with Ronaldo on the back. So, uh, yeah, two sounds like two hopeless uh, Manchester United fanatics here. I love it. I love it. Um, hopefully, by the time you can start to remember Man United, he can have as warm feelings as we did growing up. That's it's not, it's not yeah, fun yeah. at the moment. No, it's funny because I mean, one of the things, one of my memories that uh, that really formed my love for Manchester United was watching them o- over here in Australia. It used to be very hard to catch too much um, European soccer, and so. Uh, but one of our one of our um, stations, SBS over here, you know, had uh, some great people who were really committed uh, to showcasing international soccer. And I remember watching one day um, Manchester United when they were in the Champions League final and came back to beat Bayern Munich. And uh, that was yeah, that's that's really where I already I already liked Manchester United, but it, it was that win that really formed my my passion for the for the club uh, totally totally one of the one of the favorite nights of my life that night uh, back in 99 um yeah still watch reruns of it now because they're they're, no, they're nothing like that anymore <laughs> we'll come back no, yeah that's right so um i i couldn't help but zoom in on that because i you mentioned manchester united i had to talk about it but um, when it comes to sport what have you learned about leadership from sport you mentioned your model uh, and you you are inspired by sport in what you do with Fireminds. What what are the biggest lessons you've learned from sport that you feel like you apply in your consulting and and as a CEO? I think if I, if I look at rugby, another thing I'm I'm still very involved in. I played rugby for Bermuda when I was there. Actually qualified to play. I think the biggest thing you learn from rugby is respect, um, and respect has has to have a huge part of your professional life you know like even with um people you compete with both internally and externally to your own organization just having a fundamental respect and a care um that's one thing i learned from rugby and then from a i've had a lot of great coaches over the years in rugby from some really funny coaches but also some really inspirational uh some inspirational leaders and i think i don't mind think he'd mind me mentioning there's a guy in uh he's from from england but he's based in bermuda jamie barnwell and just seeing him in action, just positivity. Um, and it's something I try and bring to uh, to the professional workplace and to my own team is just those two things, is respect and positivity. They, they go a long way and are probably more beneficial than any management book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so much of leadership and management is really simple, isn't it? And when you see a great leader and you watch them, uh, I love what John Maxwell says about successful people. If you spend a day with a successful person, then you, by the end of the day, you'll say, oh, that's why they're so successful. And I feel like a lot of leadership and management is that. So little things, respect, positivity, two great words. Um, I'm interested to know, as you as you look back, when, when can you remember your first opportunity uh, for leadership of any kind? You know, maybe it was when you were really little, maybe it was when you were a teenager or even older in your 20s, but you had the first, you had people that you were either reporting to or there was a project where you were really the visionary leading it. Did you remember the first sort of um, opportunity to be a leader as such? It's a great question. I think when I look at my, my childhood sports, I always either aspired to be the captain or, or acted like the captain. Sometimes I wasn't the captain, but tried to 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 act like one um 
but I think is it's one thing when I'm dealing particularly with uh, with younger people entering the workforce now. I think a lot of people ask the question of when they will be a leader, how to become a leader. And I think in particularly in the modern workplace, leadership works in so many different ways. Um, you don't you don't have to necessarily be in the position or have the title, but you can lead by doing. You can be an inspirational leader by just being a good person around the place. Um, but again, I go back to probably sports when I was younger and a couple of opportunities in school to, to like be captains of teams and stuff like that. But um, I would say when I kind of define leadership, it's it's different different for everyone. Um, so I wouldn't have a moment where I think I became a leader. And I think I'd be fairly open with my own team now. I think the best leaders um, kind of you always have that bit of imposter syndrome in you if you are if you are a good leader, if you're a genuine leader, if you're doing the right thing. So I don't know if you ever get there where you kind of sit back and look at yourself and think you're a great leader. I question it all the time and I'm sure my team do too. Yeah, it's it is a it is a important revelation that um for particularly for young leaders who might be listening that that imposter syndrome from definitely for the majority of people I've spoken to it never goes away it's always there in some form you just become more comfortable with it and and real and I think realizing that everyone has that a bit maybe helps to to lead through that sense of what am I doing here if people knew how much I don't know would I actually be given any responsibility yeah big time big time and I think one of the I've, I've, I've had what many consider a successful career. One of the things I you learn the hard way is regardless of your leadership position, you generally have someone who's then leading you or managing you more so. Um, so I think is I think people get very caught up on the title, caught up on kind of defining what leadership is. And I think you mentioned it there, Jono. It's, it's probably the little things. I think particularly in the, the modern workforce, the work from home environment, it's it's the little things that count. It's like empathy. It's the genuine moments. It's something I always look, like to call like the the, the, mm. the call after the main call or the quick teams or message after the after the main call. It's really important around leadership now. And it brings me back to that point that I don't think it's always the the person at the top of the organization that that is totally in tune with that. It's generally someone who's who's striving to get there or is just naturally like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so when you think back to once again, um, uh, you know, growing up and, and as you, as you got a bit older and then you started in your career and stepping out who have been, you mentioned somewhat, you mentioned one person in Bermuda, which is, which is cool. Um, but I'm not sure if that was in sporting or professional, but it can be in, in all areas of life. Who are some of those mentors? You've already mentioned one, who are, who are some of the others who have been the biggest influences on your leadership? I've had I've had quite a few to be fair and um, I think a younger more naive version of me probably thought I didn't need mentors or didn't have mentors but when I look back over probably even my recent career generally the people I've reported into or 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 other CEOs I've worked with have been have been awesome and um, when I entered the my latest role I probably kind of surrounded myself with with people who've done it before I think that's really, really important for anyone, but younger listeners listening, or or anyone who does have that bit of imposter syndrome, or is or is, or is worrying themselves, is there's a lot of knowledge out there that people are willing to give if you just if you just ask for it. Um, so I think yeah, to answer your question, I've had 
I've had too many to count and probably still still have quite a few mentors. And I'm, as I mentioned, I'm probably more deliberate in asking for it now and aware that I need it and will always need it and, and want it. And one of the, the crazy things I found is the leaders and the mentors are not always people, again, I keep mentioning title or rank people above you, is I'm generally inspired by some of the people in um, within my team at Firemind and how hard they work and some of the some of the things they do. And that's, it's not quite mentorship, but it's, I'm learning more from them probably than they are from me at times. And, and that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. The, I was introduced to this idea of reverse mentoring. Um, and I can't remember who it, I have to admit the, you know, 170, 180 podcast episodes, some things blur together a bit, particularly when multiple people mention it. And I'm like, I want to honor someone who mentioned that. But um, so if, if someone uh, is, has just listened to that, that episode, then they can let me know. But um, one of the guests mentioned this idea of reverse mentoring. And I was like, oh, that's genius. It's this intentional. It's one of those things that like you described there, you're doing that already. But for leaders to be aware that you can actually not only intentionally be learning from those who are older and further along, but this person was talking, this guest was saying, what if we actually bring people into our team in our organization or people who are already there and we let them know and sometimes actually say, hey, by the way, I've noticed that you are um, really strong in this part of leadership or you know, when it comes to thinking about technology and what we do, I've noticed that you think about it completely differently because you're a different generation. And I want to intentionally learn from you. So I want you to mentor me in that. And and I just thought that was such a great idea to not only have a mentor, but also look for a reverse mentor, someone who can rather than necessarily experience, maybe it's from perspective and actually spending time with them to understand how they see the world you can actually mentor yourself so that so that you stay really current and you see things through a different lens. I love it. I love it, Jono. Yeah, I think it's um, been blessed enough to work in technology. It's it's evolving so fast, and the like. I'm not that old myself. I'm I'm, I'm 35. But when I when I just see some of the young people entering the the workforce, we've an operation in Guyana, um, which is um, technically in South America, but feels like it's part of the Caribbean. And I think a lot of Guyanese consider, them part of, consider themselves part of the Korean, uh, Caribbean. But I'm just so impressed when I meet some of the young talent down there, just in terms of how clued in they are, how innovative they are. And again, as you said, it's that reverse mentorship. It, you learn so much. And um, I think in, in, the, in the young generation, the onus is almost on, on us to just to give them the confidence to to move forward um because i as you said when i when i look at some of the mentors i have probably in a, a generation above myself compared to some people that i would say do that reverse mentoring with it's just a totally different world it's a totally different perception of the world and i think that big old pandemic we we had or are still having has just showed all of those differences and, and how people handle that and how people utilize technology now and how some people can't and struggle with it. It's just been a crazy few years. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I'd love to ask you about some of the aha moments. Now it might be with mentors. You mentioned you've had a bunch. It might be with some of those reverse mentors, but it also, you know, I, there might be a few moments that come to mind. So I'll, I'll talk for a bit to give you a moment to think, but um, I, I, I mean like those aha moments or those, those shifts as a leader where the penny drops, where you really realize, 
ah, oh, okay, you know, one of those lessons that that you never forget because you, because maybe you make a mistake and you never forget or someone gives you advice and you just realize through a set of circumstances or watching them navigate a crisis, wow, that is profound. Yeah, so any aha moments from your career that stand out so far that you can uh, share? A lot, a lot. I think uh, mistakes, learning from mistakes, um, and like a lot springs to mind. I probably shouldn't shouldn't declare that publicly. The amount of mistakes that you you make along the way, um, but I think when I think of aha moments. Um, I have utilized a, a coach myself. Again, I don't think you'd mind me mentioning him. His name is um, is Dave Cribben. And he's always, he's based out of Dublin and Ireland. He's he's always kind of helped me understand like a future focused building a better life, but, but centering it just in, in what you're doing now and not getting overly focused on the, on the destination. Um, but I think in terms of aha moments, I, I, would consider myself very ambitious, would consider what almost have been stressing myself, um, not being happy with what I have now, pushing myself for the next thing, always being obsessed of what I'll have in, in a year and two years and three years, what kind of money I'll have, what job I'll have. Where I think the biggest thing that I've learned in that aha moment has simply been patience. Uh, patience and an empathy and particularly when you move into management and leadership positions is understanding that you have to be patient you can't force your beliefs on anyone you can't make people do things and i was probably a bit naive when i was first going into uh, into leadership and into management around that kind of that impatience fostering um impatience with people you work with trying to rush things and um, so that would be the biggest aha moment. And again, through a couple of mentors and a couple of people that have inspired me is just learning how to how to be patient and kind of tempering that with your ambition and with your, your work ethic. But like having that plan without letting that plan always kind of override enjoying what you're doing right now. Yeah, there's so much in what you just said there. Uh, what advice would you give? Say there's a young leader listening who hears you talk about that and goes, yeah, I am, I am probably pretty impatient for success, for the destination of achieving X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. What, what advice would you give them? And maybe the same advice you'd give yourself if you were talking to Connor, you know, um, a decade or, or two ago about how to lead with patience, particularly when you're a younger leader. I think there's a brilliant book I read over uh, a couple of months ago, Mel Robbins, The High Five Habit. I actually just caught it on LinkedIn and, and I decided to read the book. And basically the whole premise of the book is when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you should do before you brush your teeth or jump in the shower is when you're kind of looking at yourself, starkers in the in the mirror, is give yourself a high five and just kind of um, just be positive about where you are right now, what you're doing that day. Don't jump into your emails. Don't jump into your your WhatsApp, your text message, your Instagram. And that would be the big thing I'd say for particularly young people entering the workforce is the the whole social media side to to life is, I think, is put a huge pressure on where people think they should be and probably different to when I was entering the workforce, probably yourself, Jono, is there's a huge pressure on how quickly you can you can live that perfect life because what you think you think that's what you're seeing in, in social media but in terms of advice again I, I point back to to patience the other thing i would point to though is 
having a real sense of um of what you're doing and if you're getting energy out of it i think um being able to meet your your life needs your financial needs is vitally important but whatever you're doing you should get some kind of energy out of it and I, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy uh, typically it's not when you first start a new new role or a new job but if you're not getting energy out of it, particularly as a young person entering the workforce, it's a great time to decide it's not what you want to do and not get stuck doing that for, for the rest of your life. So again, you have to sum that up is, is again, it's just patience and having a plan without getting obsessed with what the, what the end goal is. How do you know, I mean, this is, this might sound like a silly question, but how do you know if you're getting energy from something you're doing? I think like I, when I look at myself, like I, um, it's, I get energy. I know I get energy from people. Um, so if I, I have a crazy schedule, it's back to back. We are across many different time zones and it's grueling, but I would actually be more de-energized after a day where I have no meetings. Um, I really struggle to ever just sit at my desk and work totally through the day without any interaction and human interaction. So I think it's just that it's that kind of innate feeling at the end of a day, at the end of a week is tiredness is one thing, but if you're totally drained and and feel like what you're not doing is you're not getting any energy out of it, you don't see the point in it, um, or you're doing it for something that doesn't energize you. And a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's financial means um, or status. So I think it's, it's just monitoring that yourself. And I think the just like this podcast, I've listened to your podcast, before coming on it, John O's, there's so much information now about how to handle that and how to manage that. And again, it's particularly for young people learning from that and taking advantage of the, we've spoke about the negative side of social media, but the positive side and all the information out there on how to just learn simple techniques to, to, to manage your energy. Yeah, that's so good. Um, thanks for sharing that. Well, uh, I want to, I've got a few questions for you as we jump into leadership express. The first question is, what is a book that you've gifted to other people or recommended a lot, Connor? Uh, two. Um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Brilliant book. Um, just really, really simple on, I think when people think of habits, they generally think of negative habits um, and how you get rid of them. But I think ha- habits can be extremely positive. Um, there's another book. There's probably a few, but I'll, I'll limit it to three. There's another book, A Great Man Thinketh. I don't, I don't actually know what the author is, top of mind. It was written in the early 1900s, similar to Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's just very simple concept of how a thought becomes an action and then an action becomes becomes a habit, whether you you, you like it or, or not. So that's, be, that's from a kind of professional well-being side. Um, and just in terms of how to structure your day, structure your week, structure your life, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And a real book that I didn't think was recommended to me, but I can't remember who recommended to me, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, highly recommended. I think a lot of people have read it, but it's an awesome book on on Audible as well, of just how simple. Um, there's a concept in it being the watcher of your thoughts. I just love it. It's um, it's Now it's intense. I always have to break it down chapter by chapter. But those would be the two books, uh, Atomic Habits and, and The Power of Now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Atomic Habits and the Power of Now, wonderful recommendations. Uh, what advice would you give to leaders about how to run an effective one-on-one meeting? Um, 
I would, I've seen them done so well and I've seen them done so poorly and I've done them so well and done them so poorly. I think um, it's a massive opportunity for a leader to, to build a relationship with an employee beyond that kind of hierarchical relationship you typically have. Um, I think it's just really important to, to ask how someone is and genuinely mean it. Leave two, three, five minutes at the start of a call to have a conversation without, um, without diving into it. And then I think the just from a pretty professional context is I'm a big user of a Microsoft OneNote. So I think you've as a leader, as a manager, you've got to put yourself in the shoes of the, the person that's reporting into you and that it's not just of making use of the leader's time, but it's making use of the person who's coming to that meeting. So it's taking notes, having actions to follow up the following week, having a bit of structure to it. But I, I genuinely think the most important bit, particularly in the work from home environment, is actually using that one in one environment. It's probably the most genuine, authentic. It's the equivalent of your water cooler conversation now. Just have a real conversation and build on that. Don't just mm. talk about the weather. Don't just talk about generic. How are you? Is get to know people's family, get to know people's friends, get to know what sports team they support and, and, and build on that relationship. Yeah, that's such great advice. And for those who are, are a bit like me and love a, um, I love that you mentioned OneNote. Um, and if if you love a to-do list, and I don't necessarily love a to-do list, but I do I do love having a structure around things and, and a routine if I can. And so I've found that it can be really great to create a little database and actually try to try to jot down information so that you remember it. Because I think we, we all want to be that person. Oh, you know, Jono, he always remembers what I told him five years ago about my uncle. And it's like, well, <laughs> some of us have that have that gift and we can all work on it. But um, what you can do is when you have these conversations, have a, so I literally have a, a um, another notes program and I just have little databases from different aspects different parts of my life and I'll just jot notes down that someone mentions to me uh, about something a hobby of theirs or something that they they want to study at some point and if you just keep some notes like that then at some point you can just glance at it when you are going to catch up with them and it and it's a great way to jog the memory and um and it's a really simple planning thing you can do but it, it's always so meaningful to people when you come back to them and say hey I remember a while back you mentioned that you um you know, that you were wanting to, to get more into, um, you know, this particular hobby. How's that been going? Have you had a chance? And um, that intentionality to really know people, even if it, even if you do it, even if you're doing it in a bit of a structured way, that, that um, I think feeling known is so important, right? Like when you feel like people actually care enough to stop and ask how you are and, and, and not just like you said, for the sake of it, but to really understand that's 101 for feeling belonging. I totally agree. I love it. I love it the way you've laid it out there. Yeah, I, I think so. I've um, my my one note that I mentioned is the equivalent of a crazy messy like notebook. But what I love about it is it it's on multiple devices. I can grab it when I need it. And then a more old school approach. I'm I'm still in the office here. I'm looking at behind me. I've uh, I've a whiteboard on the wall. That is not my to do list. It's what needs to get done this quarter list. And it's amazing how simple it is. If I just structure my day around that whiteboard there's only five or six things on it generally the thing you decide that's important on the first of january is still the thing that's really important in the in the middle of june and you can kind of push aside all the noise but i totally agree with you on the 
documenting when you're chatting to people, particularly as I assume yourself, you're chatting to a lot of people, is just taking a note. And and it's I think some people would would I think some people when they hear things like that, they're saying, "Is that genuine?" I think it's really genuine if you're taking the time to um to take a note about someone so you remember it next time you chat to them. It's definitely going to mean something to them, and it's just like, again, it's a great way to build a connection. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you talked about atomic habits, so let me ask you this: what if you had to pick one habit, say a leader says to you, Connor, I, I, w- I want to go and start a new habit that's really going to be a great investment in my life as a leader, but also just as a person. If you had to pick one, what would be a habit that you'd recommend um, most people consider? The best habit by far, um, positive habit um, that I've taken up is I don't look at my phone until 8 a.m., and I don't charge my phone in my um, in my bedroom anymore. So I can't really remember. Someone someone just gave me a tip about it. So I try and leave my phone away from 8 p.m. at night and not look at it till 8 a.m. in the morning. I get up about 6.30 and walk the dog, try and go to the gym, go for a walk, do a coffee, just do something without diving into your phone. So I think if it's that annoying WhatsApp, it's that terrible email that can set your day off the wrong way and i was actually listening to a neuroscientist last week on a podcast talk about how important it is the first thing you get up is just leaving your brain to to process what it's actually kind of downloaded during the night and something called forward ambulation which is a kind of a scientific way of saying going for a walk get outside i think it's just really really important and by far is the is the best habit that I've implemented and I've been pretty, pretty good with. And I, it's amazing when I, when I, when I do it, the mornings, I don't do it. The odd morning I slip up. I find I'm exhausted by the afternoon and it's because of that. If you dive straight into your day, it's very difficult to control your mood. Is that any, by chance, Andrew Huberman that you were listening to? Yeah. Or someone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of, um, so let me just throw that in there as a, that's one of my, favorite podcast he is just a, a genius at taking complex neuroscience and then explaining it simply with practical takeaways um i love his stuff have you have you come across much of his um when he oh, talks he's, about yeah sleep he's brilliant and a, he? oh so good yeah just the whole concept of downloading your thought like downloading your day's thoughts that's what your sleep is and reprocessing them and then it's just yeah he's genius because he takes such a complicated subject and just breaks it into layman's terms it's so good yeah uh so yeah there's a great recommendation anyone out there go and check out andrew huberman from stanford his um his podcasts and uh yeah particularly his podcast is my favorite there's just episodes there that i need to go back and listen to um again because he he breaks down also habits he has some good stuff on habits and about uh limbic friction and um yeah these terms that i'd never knew before and i think he coined the term limbic friction actually but i love the way he thinks about the body and work and life it's uh it's fascinating totally totally it really is it's it's mind-blowing okay let me let me ask you another question um well, yeah, let me ask you a question about questions. Do you have any favorite questions that you will ask when you're with a when you're with a client, when you're with a group of stakeholders, when you are with your team? Are there any questions that you find yourself asking a lot? Yeah, totally, totally. I am and never will be ashamed of it, a salesman at heart. Um, and 
Um, one thing I like always with a with a client, and again, it kind of goes back to building connection and building trust. Is before you leave the meeting, after you've done a sales pitch, or after you've obviously promoted your own wares or your company's wares, is just ask is what can we do to move this forward? And like kind of poke what like what what do we need to do to win your business? What do we need to do to build this relationship? Um, so I think it again, I'm big on. Um, even though I live in a very in a very corporate world, I'm big on kind of bypassing the corporate speak and the the writing to say, and kind of pushing the boundaries of of building that connection and saying perhaps what other people don't want to say. Um, and I think that's really effective both from a from a kind of business development perspective, but also just from relationship building. Just kind of that genuine, what are we doing here? What are we doing next? Um, <laughs> and, and I think one of the Again, being in, been inspired by some of the people that um, I've worked with and are kind of working within the organization, simple things, particularly from a work perspective and a relationship business development point of view is if you don't have your key contact on text or on WhatsApp, they're not a key contact. So again, it's just, yeah, the re- asking real questions would probably be the answer to your question. Yeah, I, I want to um, zoom in on that because I know that sales you know, we have leaders listening, some are entrepreneurs, some might be leading an organization with 10,000 people, um, and some might be in middle middle management. Um, but sales is one thing where every leader at some point has to upskill, in my opinion, because it's the, I, I'm also, my background's in business development. So I think that's another thing we share. I really do believe yeah. that, um, and, you know, that so much of great leadership, you know, and great sales go hand in hand and, and, and a lot of other things in life, actually. So I just want to ask you, what, what do you sandwich that sort of question with? Like, is that the, from a really practical perspective, say you're in a business development meeting, is that the very last question you're asking after the first meeting? Like, um, and, and can you remind us of what you said about how you phrase that question? And is, is there anything you would do just before or just after that? I think the key, the key is actually to start. So I think in, in sales and business development, the first five minutes you win, lose, or lose your, your clients or even a client you already have, you lose their attention. Um, I think we've all been witness to jumping on a sales call or being in a sales meeting where a salesperson launches into a PowerPoint deck that you've no interest in listening to and you're stuck for 40 minutes. Um, so I would always try and set the table with to the client or even internally when we're having a kind of internal meeting is what would you like to get out of this meeting like why did you take this meeting um what what are your and i think it's great like a lot of people get overwhelmed particularly we're in the tech world by by technical sales and how complicated it can be but just ask simple questions what are your business objectives what are your personal objectives how is your budget has the pandemic affected you really get to know what is driving decision making at the start of a call and then decide if you're going to show a PowerPoint, then decide if you just want to have a conversation to dig into that. And then I think the key to the end of the call are asking those questions. What can I do for you next? Should I email you? Should I call you? Can I text you? Can I WhatsApp you? And then I think that where the where the rubber hits the road is actually actioning that. I've seen one of my pet peeves, both in internal meetings or on in sales meetings, is a call where everyone's discussed at length, lots of detail, the call ends and then everyone and the the worst offenders, the salesperson kind of leaves the call and said, that's great. Hopefully that signs or hopefully that lands. I think it's that, that act from a business development perspective, those actions after the call, following up, 
And again, it brings me back to that point of your key contacts. You've got to have them as a someone you can text or someone you can WhatsApp because mm. the old way of emailing and cold calling doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. Um, and tips for following up. Do you have any, do you have any sort of uh, silver bullets or do you have any consistent routines that you do if you're trying to follow up a, uh, a big uh, sort of prospect? Uh, an email saying, can I call you and then call? Um, I think is um, <laughs> particularly from a business a business development perspective, I'd also say from a leadership perspective is in the work from home and in the remote environment, there is way too much done on email and on the internal chat tools organizations have where an old school phone call of just saying, um, like when it was crazy at the moment with, with the work from home environment and everyone's so bound by their calendars where someone will book a meeting with you two weeks from now to ask you a simple question because it shows that you're busy in your calendar where everyone's almost kind of forgotten the ability just to call someone directly say, Hey, need to chat you for two minutes. And particularly for clients is, Hey, I need to chat you for two minutes. Sent that proposal last week. Is it good? Is it bad? Any feedback rather than sending kind of a generic email with a big spiel about the, the value prop. I think it's, that'd be my tip is keep it simple and, um, and understand that other people are busy and you're not always their priority. Do you wait, um, getting very practical when you say, can I call you? Are you sending that email and then just calling straight away? Or are you sending it yeah. waiting for them to say sure and then calling? No, totally. Send the email and call them straight away or do it the other way around. Call them and say, hey, just try to call. Let me know when we can connect. I think because uh, uh, I see it like particularly in the, the latest roles I've had, I get sold to a lot. And the best salespeople, it's it's short, it's easy. And then the, the complete opposite of that are when people are sending you PDFs that are 20 pages long and they're sending you a big spiel of an email. It kind of brings us back to the conversation, John, we're having about your to-do list. Most people are too busy. When you see an email that length come in, you're like, oh, I actually want to buy this, but I, I don't have time to respond to that. You know, So it's it's just making it easy for the client. Yeah, that's such great advice. And I'm glad we we sort of zoomed in a little bit on uh, on sales. That was really interesting. Um, okay, a couple more questions. This one can be serious or lighthearted. Uh, a movie or TV show that really impacted you or it's a favorite? A movie or TV show that impacted me. Um, I absolutely love The, the Office. And I think you have a global... Um, group of listeners. So I'm talking about the US yep. office rather than the UK office. Um, yes. Favorite quote from the office. So it is a bit lighthearted is Dwight Schrute. Before I do anything, I ask myself, would an idiot do that? If the answer is yes, I do not do that thing. I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> it is just, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's brilliant. And yeah. it's like, it's, it's humorous, but it's actually so true. There's so much truth in it. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're actually watching the U.S. Office again right now, and um, it's one of my <laughs> favorite it. shows. Yeah, that we. I'm just trying to think of. Um, there's so many great leadership moments in in the show as well. Like, um, uh, I, I have to. Um, one of my favorite uh, recent moments in the in the show with where we're up to is when Michael Michael thinks he's. Um, he's getting in trouble because he gets called to the CFO's office for a meeting, which is in New York a few hours away. So he goes in and he's prepared to get, you know, 
he's sort of defensive and ready for some sort of, uh, you know, just to, to take a hit for, for something. He doesn't know what it is, though. And instead, uh, David Wallace says to him, um, so I, I just want to know what's what's your secret? What are you doing? Because your branch is outperforming every other branch and he's the manager. And um, it's just how uh, <laughs> I just find his answer, <laughs> the comedy of the office. He just goes on this absolute pointless rant, which is, you know, it's one of my favorite <laughs> things you can even find on YouTube where he says nothing and just and then and then it cuts to him saying, sometimes I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going. And I just, I just yeah. keep going with it to see if I'm going to find the destination. And it just cut, you know, you just see David Wallace looking at this guy who's leading his best performing branch and just left going, this guy has no idea why his branch is going so well. It's, um, it's just one of those hilarious office moments. And uh, I don't know if there's a really poignant leadership lesson in that, but, uh, but it's certainly great, great, uh, a great show to switch off to and enjoy. It's brilliant, isn't it? I always laugh with the offices. You, you kind of you can you can picture someone in real life that relates uh, that that can relate to a character. Um, yes, and then you can kind of see yourself in multiple people, which I just find hilarious. I think uh, <laughs> it's yeah, such a brilliant show. Yes, oh, so good. If people haven't watched it, give it a give it a crack. It's it's um it's brilliant. Uh, last question: If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? Um, I would say, I think again, and go back to that word patient, but I think holding firm, I think when you get into a leadership position, the hardest part about it is conflicting priorities and then people asking you to do multiple things. And that can come from above you. That can come from someone within your own organization. So I'd say is particularly for anyone entering their first, even management role, but particularly in leadership roles is holding firm whenever when everything around you seems like panic um, and not making any rush decisions simple stuff like don't respond to an email emotionally don't react to it give yourself a day and then this, i think the particularly for people in new leadership positions is is giving yourself a break when you do make a mistake because you won't make that mistake again but i think yeah the key key thing is patience and holding firm when when all around you are panicking Mm. Yeah, you remind, that really reminds me of a recent episode where we talked about this idea of the the silver bullet in life that is the ability to stay calm or 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 can or slow down. Sometimes it's not staying calm because something happens and you literally start you get triggered by it because you're you're human, but you actually learn to slow down. You learn to 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 shut the computer instead of sending that email, or you learn to say just give me give me 10 minutes and go and sit in your office and just stop and or make a call to just you know it's that and it's and it's that slowing down rather than reacting um and as someone said you know learning to respond instead of react actually asking why am i feeling this way why is this affecting me why why is this happening how what are they seeing and just those little tiny questions that just help you i think so many mistakes that really hurt organizations and relationships and our teams happen in those reaction moments. Oh, I totally agree, John. I think it's, um, when I look at my own experiences, sometimes like some of the requests coming at you as a leader, coming at your team are just so far 
removed from reality. Like someone can be asking you to grow. Someone can be asking you to control costs. Someone can be asking you to slow down. Someone can be asking you to, to think long-term and strategic. So yeah, I love your point. I think it's, um, it's going with your gut a lot as well. Cause I think, you know, the majority of times, you know, you don't always know that if you feel something is right or worth pursuing, it's probably worth pursuing. But I think, as you said, is the key thing is not reacting emotionally. Um, and again, it brings you back to that patience. But yeah, it's, I think that that'd be my my advice is that real whole firm when all around you are panicking. And as I love what you said there, John, it, it, that doesn't mean freeze. I think sometimes when there is mm. conflicting priorities, people do freeze. Sometimes it means is let's just work really hard this week. Let's just get after it because we don't know what's going to happen. But if we stop and do nothing, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, well said. Uh, well, for those who really enjoyed hearing some of your story and uh, enjoyed your wisdom on leadership, where can people find you online? And also, how can people find out more about Firemines? Yeah, Firemines. So anyone interested in kind of next generation networking, cybersecurity or cloud services, uh, firemines.com. So it's F-I-R-E-M-I-N-D-S.com. And then me personally, as I said, I'm involved in a, in a coaching organization myself. It's galoras.com, G-A-L-O-R-A-S. And the email is getstarted at galoras.com. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. What a fun episode. Uh, apologies to all the uh, Premier League fans of other teams who had to put up with a couple of minutes of Connor and I just uh, loving on Manchester United. But... Um, <laughs> But that you know, that's that's life, and then yeah, that's okay. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, for our listeners, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast. So there are two other places you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Connor, for being so generous with your time and uh, sharing wonderful stories from your childhood and sports, um, but also great wisdom and uh and a great uh, a great dwight office quote which really made the episode for me before doing anything ask yourself would an idiot do it and if the answer is yes <laughs> do it. Um, which is which uh which was a wonderful way to sort of finish a really fun episode so um also just a real joy to spend time with you so thank you so much for coming on the podcast pleasure is all mine thanks so much john i love what you're doing Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest 
or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.